Thank you, Randy. Thank you, team. Good morning again. How you? Come on. Good morning again. <laughs> there you go. A little bit of life. You've got to have a little bit of life. All right. We're going to be doing things just slightly different today. I'm going to do the announcements up front here, and you'll see why. You'll see why I'm dressed like this, too. There, there's a reason, two reasons. So today, we are going to tear down all of that stuff out on the lawn, and we're going to decorate for Christmas in here. It's that day, like I was saying earlier, it's Thanksgiving and Advent. So whatever that is, Thanksgiving or Ad-giving, but it, it's both. They collide today, so collide today. So we're going to need three teams after here. If you can stay, we're going to feed you, I promise it. Um, and if you've got a pickup truck, that would be really good. And I estimate if we get enough people, we'll be done in about an hour. I don't see it lasting much longer than that. The battery is dying. I never said a word about anything. Also, we've got, uh, so next Saturday is the Colony Christmas Parade. Then we have the toy run the following day. Lots of stuff going on. Li Living Nativity, December 10th, 12th. Our kids program on the 19th. Christmas Eve candlelight service on the 24th. And obviously, our Christmas service on December the 26th. Lots of things for you to invite people to. We want to share the good news of Christmas, right? The King is coming. We want to share the good news of Christmas. So I'm going to do something that we don't normally do. I've got two clipboards here. And if you can be a part of any of these things, sign up the clipboard. I'm going to start it over here. If you just pass it on around, that would be great. And if you can't, don't. And if we can do it, awesome. And if we can't? We can't. Life will go on. That brings us to today. Let's take a second and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this time that we can be gathered together. It's the first day of Advent, and, and this first week of Advent, we, we talk about hope, but it, it is a time of waiting. We wait expectantly for what is to come. So, Father, as we gather now, wherever we might be online, here, I pray your Holy Spirit to just pour out your spirit of peace right now. Father, slow us down. Clear our mind of those things that get in the way. Open us up to your spirit, to what you would have to say to us, to what we need to hear from you and see from you. And Father, blind us and deafen us to those things that are a distraction and get in the way of what you would say to us. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I said, the, the, the very first week of Advent is hope. And there's this sense of waiting. It's not here yet. That's what the word Advent means. It's something is coming. But it, it's not here yet. And I picked a scripture for this morning. Now, if you didn't get an outline, if you need an outline and you'd like an outline, raise your hand and we'll get one to you. Anybody need an outline? Oh, we got a bunch. Where's our outline, people? Thank you, Sandra. They're lollygagging in the foyer. I like seeing them run all over the place. And they can't find the outlines now. 
Here we go. All right. If you need an outline, raise your hand, please. So we need a couple over here, some here. Anybody else like to take notes? All right. That's awesome. Thank you very much. So the scripture I picked this morning for the beginning of Advent is Matthew chapter 12, verses 18 through 21. It says, Look at my servant whom I have chosen. He is my beloved who pleases me. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. Finally, he will cause justice to be victorious, and his name will be the hope of all the world. That is our hope. The king is coming. Can I get a volunteer to light the first candle, please? Don't all rush at once. Come on up, Fit. You're the man. This is our official candle lighting equipment. And I'd like you to light the one that says hope. I think it's that one there. Thank you, sir. And just pull that little lever back. There. So each week, we'll light an additional candle. So we start off with one candle this week. Next week will be two, then three, then four. And then on our Christmas Eve service, we light the center candle, which stands for Jesus. So hope, love, joy, peace, and Jesus. So that's, what, uh, th that's the beginning of our Advent. So, uh, like I said, I didn't know what to call this this morning. I was in a real conundrum because I didn't realize Advent started this week until I had already had the service planned. And I wanted to talk about Thanksgiving, because Thursday was Thanksgiving. I always do a thanks message on this Sunday. And then I'm looking at the calendar for Advent. It's like, it's this Sunday as well. So what I'm going to do, it, it, it kind of ties together nicely. So we're going to talk about thanks, and then we're going to talk about hope. And you'll see how those two things tie, to, tie together very nicely. You know, there, there are so many scriptures that talk about gratitude and the importance of giving thanks. Ephesians 5, 3 and 4 says, Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. I love the way he puts it. This is not for you. You're done with that stuff. Forget about it. And then this interesting statement. Instead... Let there be thankfulness to God. It's, to me, it's, it's interesting that the writer contrasts immoral behavior, unrighteousness, not with good behavior and righteousness, but with thankfulness. Instead of behaving the way you used to behave, be thankful. So your first blank on your, on your outline is, thankfulness is the demonstration of our righteousness. the demonstration of our righteousness. Colossians 2.7 says, Let your roots grow down into Him, and let your lives be built on Him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Again, it's so interesting. The outcome of being rooted in Jesus is faith, and the fruit of our faith is thankfulness. 
This is the natural outpouring of the work of the Holy Spirit in us. In fact, you will overflow with thankfulness. So the second one there, thankfulness is the fruit of our faith. Interesting perspectives on, on, on the word thankfulness. And then Psalm 50, verse 14 says, Make thankfulness your sacrifice to God, and keep the vows you've made to the Most High. Make thankfulness your sacrifice to God. A sacrifice is something that costs us. It, it, it's something that maybe we don't really want to give up. It's a sacrifice to do this, to give this up. We give up something of value. Typically, a sacrifice hurts us in some way. In this sense, we offer up our thankfulness by giving something of value to God. You know, Psalm 116, the, the, the psalmist, I love this, this psalm. The psalmist struggled with the reality of the one-sided relationship that we have with God. It's like he, he holds all the cards, right? He owns everything. He, he, everything belongs to him. Anything that we have, we have because God has given it to us. So he holds everything. He's got everything. So it's like, what can I give to God who has everything? And I love this psalm. It says, what can I give back to God for the blessings he's poured out on me? I'll lift high the cup of salvation, a toast to God. I'll tell people about my God. I'll pray in the name of God. I'll call on Him and nothing else. I'll complete what I promised I'd do, and I'll do it together with His people. And this thankfulness is the sacrificial response to the Lord's blessing. Now, I want to break down this word thankfulness for a minute. You know I love words. So it's thankfulness. Good, one L. I don't know why they do that in the middle of words, but we drop an L. So thank is to express gratitude. That's pretty easy, right? You, you thank someone. But here's something interesting. The root word origin of the word thank is the same root word origin of the word think. Think and thank come from the same origin. So back in the days before we had the word thank, Sorry, before we had the word, yeah, before we had the word thank, you wouldn't thank someone. You would say to them, I think highly of you. I think generously of you because of what you have given to me, because of what you have done for me. I think favorably of you. And the word thank came out of that and came to have that, that special meaning. I have good thoughts towards you. I think favorably of you for what you have done. So think about that. Thank you, but can see what I did there? Don't matter. Full, pretty straightforward, containing all that can be received, the maximum possible amount that can fit in the space available, pressed down, squeezed in there, nothing more can fit in there. So thankful then would be to be filled with good and favorable thoughts towards someone, overflowing with good and favorable thoughts toward them. I think so much of you, man. Thanks for all you've done. Thanks for what you've done. And more specifically, toward God. I couldn't, I, I, I just, I couldn't think higher of you, God. Thank you. Thank you. And then when you add the suffix ness, it kicks it up a whole different level. Ness is the state of being 
or condition. It takes it to a whole different level. Thankfulness is a state of being, someone who is constantly filled with gratitude and good thoughts, constantly. That means in all circumstances, all the time, right? Can you imagine being like that? Filled with good thoughts toward people constantly, 100% of the time. I can imagine it. <laughs> it's a little distant from me. <laughs> we try and get there, but... 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. So let me ask you a question. Do you belong to Christ Jesus? Apparently not. Do you belong to Christ Jesus? Well, then God's will for you is that you would be thankful in all circumstances. It doesn't say give thanks in all circumstances. It says that we are to be. Be is a state of being. Thankful all the time in all circumstances. How's that going for you? Well, let's tell the truth. It's easier said than done, isn't it? It is for me, but it's not impossible. It all depends on how tense you are. One of my daughter Rachel's favorite jokes You'll be happy that I've told you this. You can't run through a campsite. You can only ram because it's past tense. <laughs> Some of you, it'll, it'll click in in a minute. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was sitting at the kitchen table the other morning. That's my spot right now for pondering, praying, and pursuing God. And Sandra likes to have the theme, you know, whatever season we're in, the house is decorated in, in that theme. And as I was sitting at the table, I noticed, you know, the table mat and the table runner. It, it was all images of fall. Acorns, red and yellow leaves, pumpkins. And, and there was this little display in the middle of the table with pine cones and various squashes, you know, but they were all images, I thought it's interesting, they're all images of what has been. What we are thankful for. We've gathered the harvest, but it's past tense. It's easy to be thankful for things that we've already received, right? The blessings that we already have. It's the, I mean, that's what Thanksgiving is all about, isn't it? We surround ourselves. It's the harvest season. Here's our harvest. Thank you, God. Thank you for what you've given me. It's easy to be thankful in a past tense perspective. But the Lord commands us to be thankful in all circumstances, which is present tense. You know, people will say to you, don't live in the past, right? You, you don't, don't be living in the past. You've got to live in the moment. You've got to live now, which is not bad advice because sometimes we live in the victories of the past. Sometimes we live in the failures of the past. And sometimes the best thing to do is just let the past be the past and live in the moment. But what if the moment sucks? The military have a term. Embrace the suck. In other words, this is it. Suck it up and get on with it. I heard an amen over there. But we as Christians, we're in a different kind of army. And God, our commander, takes it to a whole new level. 
if you expand that verse that we just looked at in Thessalonians to the previous two verses, always be joyful. Okay. Thank you, God. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Always be joyful. So not only does God command us to be thankful in the moment, He commands us to be joyful in the moment. There's not much about embracing the suck in that, is it? Not much about just getting on with it. It's like, okay, how can I be joyful in the moment if the moment is not a very joyful moment? And yet that is God's command to us, and God will never command you to do something that He doesn't enable you to do through the power of His Holy Spirit. You know, I read this and I think, really, God? Have you been following the news? There's all kinds of shortages. Inflation is kind of getting scary. Prices are going up, up, up. COVID is on the increase again. And if you didn't hear the news, there's a brand new variant that already has 30 mutations. What do they call it? Omricon? I have to give it a scary name, don't they? And we're just at the beginning of what used to be the flu season. Now it's the COVID season. And already flights are being shut down from certain places. They're putting Europe is going into lockdown in certain countries, and we're going to get this whole mask thing going again. And it's like, seriously? Man, I thought we'd got over that hump. And here we go again. And I know what's going to happen. My cruise is going to be canceled. I have a cruise in January. I just, it's like, it's going to be canceled. I can see it coming. You know, on Thursday, Hungry Souls delivered food to 18 families. Families who were in need. And Sandra and I went to deliver food to two families. One's going through all kinds of difficulties. Poor young lady had an accident a couple of years ago, fell off a ladder, broke lots of bones in her body, injured, didn't have insurance to cover that, wipes out her financially, can't work for a year or so. She's trying to get back on her feet. She's in pain. She's trying to make a go of it. It's like, wow. And the other family, mom, dad, and three kids, four kids, Dad's got brain cancer. That's hard, isn't it? I don't know what the other people delivered to. I'm sure they've all got similar stories. And I know I'm praying for quite a number of people in this church who are dealing with cancer and all kinds of things going on. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. And I ask you the question, do you belong to Christ Jesus? Yes. Now, here's where we have to move to the next tense, and here's where we're going to move from Thanksgiving to Advent and how these things tie together. Advent means the coming. The first Sunday of Advent is all about waiting. It's waiting. It's a hope for what we do not yet have 
but yet is to come, the coming king. And in some sense, it, it encompasses all three of our tenses. We wait expectantly for Christmas, for the celebration of the birth of Jesus. But Jesus was born 2,000 years ago. That was past tense. But we celebrate it here and now. That is present tense. But there is something more that we wait for, the second coming of the king. He's coming back. The king is coming back. Our advent is the hope of the second coming of the king. Jesus has promised us he will return, and when he returns, he's going to set this place right. You see, we live in the brokenness of this world with all the worry, with all the hate, with all the fear, with all the cruelty, everything that, that goes on here, but we know as Christians that now is not forever, right? The first time, you, you know, you read the Scripture, Jesus came into Jerusalem riding on a donkey, and you go to Revelation, it says the next time He comes, He's riding on a white horse as a warrior. And we wait for it expectantly, O come, O come, Emmanuel. The defeat of death, the defeat of suffering, the defeat of tears, the defeat of sin. Revelation 21 says, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among His people. He will live with them and they will be His people. God Himself will be with them and He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain all these things are gone forever. Is that not good news? Is that not something that is worth waiting for? This is the promise to us. Each and every Christian has the hope of a future that is infinitely better than anything that we can imagine or conceive now. And as Christians, we need to be living for that future in the present, right now. Not as though it's a distant possibility, but a very real assurance, daily, moment by moment. But here's the problem. Here's the truth. We get more excited about earthly events than we do about the big event, the second coming of Christ, the end of this age, eternity with God. Now, imagine this. Imagine how excited you would be if the cowboys, or whatever your team might be, made it to the Super Bowl. Would that be exciting? Now, how exciting would it be if somebody came to you and said, I got tickets for you. I'm paying for you to get there. I'm paying for a hotel. These tickets are on the 50-yard line. I've got it all covered. How would you feel? How excited would you be? How excited would you be? How excited would you be? Seriously, if I had two tickets for the Cowboys in my pocket and I said I give it to the one who makes the most noise, yeah, then we'd have something going, wouldn't we? Or whatever team your team might be. Who would you tell? You'd tell everybody, wouldn't you? I got tickets to the game. I'm going to be on the 50-yard line or up in a box, whatever, you know, and it's all paid for. It's like, yeah, baby. We get excited about tickets to the ball game or an upcoming vacation, a cruise, going out on a date, Christmas, birthday parties, weddings, promotion at work. 
the release of the iPhone 56 or whatever we're on. People will line up for it, right? They're excited about it. The next time you, you're, the big game that you play is come out with their next iteration of, of it. I don't know about those things, but I know it, my daughter lives and dies on that stuff. But here's the thing. The reality is that too often those things are more urgent and more exciting to us than the reality of eternity with God. And that's wrong. We need to get real about eternity. That's the hope that we live for. It's not here, but it's coming, and it's ours. There's nothing wrong, okay, there's nothing wrong with being excited about all those temporal things. You've got to get excited about something, right? There's nothing wrong with that. But when they're done, they're done. You get to tell your story of your trip to the Super Bowl. And hopefully your team wins. But once it's done, it's done. It's past tense. And, and you return to the here and now with the same problems, the same fears, the same worries, the same hang-ups, the same whatever, the same iPhone 56 that you had before you left. You come back to the same situation. You come back to reality. You come back to now. Those things are temporal. And we need need to live for the eternal. Now, I want you to get something here. The hope of what is eternal and living daily for what is eternal allows us to borrow joy from the future and deposit it in today. Do you get that? When we are living, when we have our eyes fixed upon Jesus Christ and the hope in Jesus, we can take some of the joy from the future where we're not there yet, but we can take that joy because whose joy is it? It's mine. It's yours. I can take some of that joy and I can bring it back and I can deposit it in the muck and the mire of today. Now, does that mean that we're impervious to pain, hurt, and suffering? Absolutely not. Wish we were. But hope gives us an ability to live in the midst of pain and hurt and suffering with our eyes fixed on the joy of what is to come. Now is not forever. You know, it's funny how God has a sense of humor. All day Friday and yesterday, I haven't felt well. I took a COVID test last night. I'm, you're cool. Positive's good, right? <laughs> and my neck and my shoulders have been aching and hurting. I got up this morning and I thought, man, I'm going to go into spasm. I set my alarm up. Always finish up my message on Sunday morning. I, I can't finish it ahead. It's just the way I am. So I set my alarm for 5 o'clock this morning and forgot to hit save. So at 6 o'clock I woke up. It's like, ah! So I'm an hour behind, and I'm trying to get everything done. And Sandra's, come on, what's happening? If I get to church before you, she said, they all said, where's Mike? I was having a mic. I know who you are, by the way. So I'm all behind, and, and it's like, wow, my neck's hurting, my back's hurting, I've not felt well, my throat is scratchy. So Sandra leaves, and, and I go to go out the door, and I remember, I'm taking care of Mackie, the neighbor's dog. They're out of town, and I promised them, and it's 10.30. I, 
I've got to be here in half an hour. And so I run down the road and I take care of Mackie, come back to the house and I'm getting ready. And then I remember, it's Advent. I've got to have the wreath set up. Why didn't you do this before, you idiot? And, but I, I tell you what, though, I knew I was preaching this message on hope. I couldn't wait to get here. I was excited about this message. None of that stuff could faze me today. I got in here and Tim said, are you okay? Because I'm buzzing around and, yeah, I'm absolutely fine, man. I'm just rushing, but I'm fine because I know what is to come. I know this is not everything, that there is a future and a hope and something better, and I can borrow from that joy and bring it into this moment. It doesn't matter. What if I don't get the thing set up? It doesn't matter. The king is coming. The king is coming. This is not all there is. I've got a bunch of scriptures on hope. Psalm 31, 24. I think I put them in your... What did? Be strong and courageous, all you who put your hope in the Lord. Isaiah 40, 31, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. That's God's promise to people who hope in Him. Ephesians 1, 18, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope He has given to all those He called, His holy people who are His rich and glorious inheritance. Romans 15, 13, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Psalm 119, 114, you are my refuge, my shield. Your word is my source and hope. Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep His promise. Psalm 135, I am counting on the Lord. Yes, I am counting on Him. I have put my hope in His Word. You know, we're living in dark times. There's no doubt about it. We're living in dark times. And as those who have been given a hope, we are called to be a light in the darkness. We don't want to be a snuffer. That's what this thing is. You ever meet a snuffer? You know the people I'm talking about, right? No matter how much good's going on, the joy, they just bring darkness to the party. Oh, I got up late this morning. I had to go sort the dog out. I got to church and... We have a hope, and we're supposed to bring that hope and that light into people's lives. That's who we are. So as we go into Advent, as we go into Christmas and COVID and and everything else is going on and people are running around ripping out their hair, if they had any, we're the ones that bring light into that situation because we have a hope beyond this situation. And whatever happens today cannot change that. Be an illuminator. The king is coming. Say it. Believe it. Live it. The king is coming. One more time. The king is coming. I lied. The king is coming. 
That is our hope. Amen? Amen. Amen. How are we doing for time here? Good. Wow. It is my great pleasure this morning. That's another reason I couldn't wait to get here, and that's why I'm wearing these. A couple of weeks back, I introduced a prospective new elder to you and his wife, Kevin and Nancy Hicks. We have a picture of them. There you go. It's Sophia and Maddie. Maddie is the tall one. Got it right. It's funny. Um, so so we're, we're at that point where for months we've been in this elder process. Talking with Kevin and Nancy and a couple of weeks ago I brought them up on stage and I told you to let me know if you've got any concerns about them moving into this, this role and I never heard from anyone. So today we get to wrap up this ordination process. I was going to wear a suit. I thought, man, that'd be great because I know someone's going to take a picture of it and it's good to look good. And I thought, well, we're doing the work outside. And then I thought, you know what? What is the role of an elder? It's a worker. It's a servant. You need to be dressed for work. You need to be ready for work. That's what an elder does. There's a meeting tomorrow at 6.30. <laughs> He's not in yet. <laughs> so Kevin and Nancy have been in this process um, for months, and we have not encountered a closed door. We pray all the way through this. We prayed a long time before we ever approached them about this. And this morning it gives me great pleasure to, to bring this ordination process to, to a conclusion and instill Kevin as, as an elder. Now, part of the process is we give them a copy of the Lakeway Directors and Elders Qualification. And you can come look at this afterwards if you like. And it's eight pages long. And it's all based on Scripture from 1 Timothy and Titus 1. Six of the eight pages focus in on the character of an elder. And two of them are about the role of an elder. We're much more concerned with the character and the calling of the elder than we are of the role, because if they have the character and they have the calling, in God's strength, they will fulfill the role. And I was going to read through some of this stuff for you. The first two pages, I mean, <laughs> elders should be above reproach. Every elder must lead by example and demonstrate a lifestyle free of patterns of sin. They must be temperate. Elders must be self-controlled, enslaved to nothing, free from excesses, prudent. Elders must be sober, sensible. There's two pages of that. Small print. Now, here's the facts. When I look at that, if I was to check off those boxes, I'd have to quit. You're not going to live up to everything but it's that person who is striving to live for those things, seeks to live for those things. So you can look at this later if you want. Many churches, when they ordain an elder, they invite them to come forward and, and make a number of promises to the church, kind of vows. We're not going to do that. We've already had those discussions with them. Jesus said it. He made it real simple. He said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. So in a minute, I'm going to call Kevin and Nancy up, and I'm going to ask them both a question. 
one question that has a yes or a no answer. If they say yes, that's good. We proceed on. If they say no, we thank them for their time and their consideration and move on with the service. So Kevin and Nancy, come on up. Nancy looks very nervous. <laughs> Girls, do you want to come up? Come on up. What did you do to them? They were, I mean, they're just bright and bubbly and they're keen these days. It's just <laughs> awesome. Okay, Kevin, I have one question for you. Do you, to the best of your ability, empowered by the Holy Spirit, accept the role of elder? Nancy, I have one question for you. Will you, to the best of your ability, and empowered by the Holy Spirit, support your husband in the role of elder? If you didn't hear, that was a yes. I'd like the other elders to come on up, please. If I ask your wives to come up, will they beat me up afterwards? Come on up, ladies. <laughs> Let me move this out of the way. We'll have you move forward. So the Bible, in the Bible, talks in a number of places where uh, Timothy and Paul went to the churches, the new churches, and put elders in place. And the process of putting those elders in place was to lay hands on them and pray for God's will in their lives as they take on this role of servitude. So that's what we're going to do right now. Guys, I'm going to open it up if somebody would like to pray. Father, I thank you for my brother Kevin, Lord. I thank you for his willingness to come and serve on this elder board, Lord. I pray for you'll bless him and Nancy and the family, Lord, that you'll protect them from safety. Lord, I want you to use him in a powerful way with the skills and abilities that you've given him and the wisdom that you've given him, Lord, and that he will, he will honor you in everything that he does. In Christ's name. Thank you, Father. Well, Lord, I thank you for the Hicks family, Kevin, Nancy, Maddie, and Sophia. Lord, protect them and guide them, Lord. Allow him to have wisdom and insight, but also allow him to seek you first in everything that he does and everything he says and everything he does and do. Lord, I just ask that you put a hedge of protection over the council mm -hmm. and uh, bind them away from Satan, Lord. Um, Lord, just protect this church and guide this church. Allow him to honor you and glorify you in what he says and what he does. And Lord, uh, may he protect this flock as far as uh, decisions that are made that's going to just uh, keep Lake lifted up. Lord, uh, I just thank you for him. I thank you for your love upon us. Lord, protect us and guide us. In Jesus' name we pray. Heavenly Father, I also thank you for this family that, that you've uh, called to service um, in, in your house. And um, like Becky said, I, I'm not here, so I, Father, I just ask that, that again, the protection is, is upon them. I ask the Holy Spirit to, to anoint them uh, today as we begin this training and every single day along the way. Father, just give them the, the knowledge and the ability and the strength and the, the courage and willpower to do yes. everything that you call them to do. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Lord, you will protect them. And we thank you for them. And Lord, uh, 
Father, I give you thanks for our brother and sister in Christ. I thank you for their obedience to you and their willingness to serve you. Father, I pray too that you would just protect their home. Father, bind them together with a spiritual bond of love that cannot be broken. Protect them from Satan who would seek to tear down their family, Father. Father, I, I pray for Kevin that you would give him a passion and a desire for your word to know you more daily. To live in prayer, Father. To live in joy. To live in thankfulness. I pray your blessing upon his marriage. I pray for Nancy, Father, that you would just give her wisdom. That she would be a prayer warrior for her husband. And that you would bind them together with that spiritual bond. Father, we thank you for them. We pray your blessing upon them, Father. We thank you for this process that they have come to this place now and we instill them as elders in your church here at Lakeway. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Welcome your new elder and his wife and children. Thank you. You don't have to make a speech, but there really is a meeting tomorrow at 6.30. <laughs> All right. So we handed out clipboards. If you never got the clipboard, I was supposed to tell you to get them back to Sandra. Did they get back to Sandra? If you'd like to be a part of all the stuff that's going on, go to the back there and just sign up. Let us know. Um, if you're able to stay now, as we said, we're going to put the Christmas trees up here in the foyer. We need a, a team outside, a team here and a team right here. We've got pizzas. Yes. We will feed you. If you're not staying, you don't eat the pizzas. <laughs> We're going to eat. We'll meet in the fellowship hall, and Hector will give us direction while we eat, and then we'll get right onto it. I reckon, no, about an hour? Hour and a half. Hour, hour and a half tops. Many hands make light work. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Please stand. Remember, we live in the moment, but we live in the hope of what is to come. Let the light of that hope illuminate your life and carry that light into the lives of the people around you. Be a light. The King is coming. Father, I give you thanks for each and every person that you brought here this morning. I thank you for those who are watching online. Father, let your light burn brightly in us. Let your hope be in us. Let your joy be in us. Father, fix our, heart, our hearts, our mind, our, our eyes upon your future coming. And Father, when we're in the middle of, of difficulties in this life, I pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, Father, you have made it possible for us to reach into the future and take some of that joy of what is to come and bring it into the day right now. And that we know whatever we're going through now is not forever. Forever is something awesome, and it's ours. Father, bless us so that as we go from here, we may be a blessing. And everyone said...
Amen. Please be thankful. Uh, thankful. I'm thankful. Please be faithful with your offering. You can uh, drop your offering in the bucket over there. You can give online. You can mail it. Do whatever you want. And uh, if you didn't sign up, please go sign up now. And if you can stay, we'll meet you in the fellowship hall right across from those doors. Thank you all.